0: Hi, this is Frank Muller and this is, is it right or is it easy? You can always access us on our website, right or hyphen easy.com uh, or here on um, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon music and other podcasting platforms. Today's discussion is titled regret versus repentance. You know, one of the challenges that we uh, face today, at least in my view, is the loss of vocabulary, particularly here in America. We have reduced discrete words into synonyms in order to mask a small vocabulary. That is, we use several different words that to both the speaker and most recipients seem to mean the same things. Hence, the rhetorical question is, why the different words? Well, the answer is simple. Words matter, and so do their meanings. And it is by this loss of vocabulary that it becomes likely that we begin to inadvertently cooperate with falsehood and errant teachings on very important subjects. So let us deal in that context with the subjects of regret and repentance, which in for most people are kind of synonyms, but they are definitely not. So often we hear in normal discourse many people making an apology for an accidental slight. You know, if this apology is a proactive assertion recognizing the unintentional harm that someone may have done, then they feel regret and they offer a sincere apology. And in this instance, under those conditions, this apology meets a basic standard of justice because the apology is prompt and sincere, and the level of gravity of the matter is mild, and it was unintentional. So in this sense, regret is absolutely appropriate. However, if the unintentional slight caused real harm, then we all know that there is another level we must go to, and that is reimbursing the aggrieved for their damages. So let's take the example even further. When one engages in a willful act of slighting or harming someone, This rises to another level. Should the perpetrator proactively recognize their fault, then it is normal for a well-formed conscience to not just feel regret and apologize, but also to do what? This is where repentance is. Repentance means we do two things. After the apology, we atone for our transgression by a willing sacrifice to help the aggrieved party by making it right, whether that's a economic compensation or some service, whatever it may be, we know that an apology is not enough. Two, and this one's where it's sticky for a lot of people. It is a public and a firm resolution to not do that again. And that comforts the victim that no other person will be harmed in that manner in the future. That meets this Basic notion of both individual justice and communal justice and making repentance is hard. You have to admit you're wrong, make it right, and resolve to that victim that this will not happen to anyone else again. When that act is is intentional and harmful. It demands far more than regret. It demands repentance. And without that justice or without that, justice is not satisfied. And the harmed party remains aggrieved, even if there was a regretful apology and rightly so. We all know the hollowness of a person's apology, especially only once they are caught. Without repentance, those who hid the truth and then only apologize are doubling down on the sin. This, unfortunately, is the world we are swept into. This concept divides the world because without the separate concepts of regret and of repentance, we will split into blaming or justifying our sins to the other of our own actions, the sins we committed by lying, by covering up our actual intent or lying about it, Making counter accusations that seek to counter the brunt of the aggrieved party's claims. And this is the art form that has now become popular to offer apologies and demand that the victim show mercy without compensation and without a firm resolution by the guilty party to sin no more in this manner. That doesn't meet the requisites for justice. Worse yet, when we lose the sense of repentance, not only is the victim aggrieved, but here's what's interesting, so is the perpetrator. Both suffer, and in many cases, the perpetrator, after a lifetime of this intentional sinning, And showing only regret, if that, they begin to self-mutilate, self-medicate with drugs and alcohol, or seeks love, lust, and wanton lust, like pornography and fornication, adultery, and more. This is why we have so many stories of victims who can actually rebuild their lives into lives of joy. But victimizers spiral into a whirlwind of selfish hate. Why? Because the victim allows and shows mercy. But the true victim is the perpetrator won't accept the justice that's required to free them from their own sins. This dystopia is now played out, actually celebrated in TV shows and living rooms, and classrooms, and the workplace, and yes, even at church. In today's culture, we like to think this dystopia is a recent phenomenon, but sadly, it is not. It occurs in every generation, amongst all peoples, and at all times. We should not, for a second, succumb to the lie that this time it is different. It is a part of the human condition because sin is a part of the human condition. This principle of regret and repentance is featured prominently in sacred scripture. And yet time after time, generations still miss the point. So let us examine one of those stories, the story many people have heard of, the story of Judas and Peter, and the events leading up to the capture and the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. Most of us have heard this story. Jesus sells out his Lord and master for 30 silver pieces. Stung by regret over his intentional act of betrayal, his focus turns to selfishness his first reaction is to go blame the Pharisees for this. And to justify himself, he throws back the money as the Pharisees scoff knowing that his effort is misplaced. Instead of turning towards the aggrieved, he turns inward and eventually takes the most selfish path of all, which is suicide which regrettably we see this playing out in our world daily. Peter, on the other hand, returns to the apostles and confesses his sins, just as they confess their own betrayal and abandonment of their Lord and master. The only exception is the young teenager John. And that's a story for another day because he and Mary, the mother of Jesus, stayed and never departed. He chooses to remain and he focuses on those he was placed in charge of. That's what Peter does. Hmm. When the Lord appears to Peter, he is overcome with grief as the Lord asked him three times, "Do." You love me. What is important to note is that our Lord uses the word agape, which means complete love. We know Peter would have before said, I love you that way. However, Peter this time replies that he loves Jesus in filial love, which means it is not complete love. But simply the best I can do. And guess what? Jesus accepts that act of honesty and says it is enough. He then, and this is important, commanded Peter to feed his sheep, which is the service or the repentance that Peter is to perform in the service to his Lord for that. This reconciles the two. After the descent of the Holy Spirit, this reckless and broken man was transformed into the rock upon which the church of Jesus Christ was built. This apostle and his successors have secured the unbroken continuation of the Roman Catholic Church for 2,000 years. you got to think about this. The man who betrayed God himself three times, despite saying he would never do that, that he would die for the same, is the man put in charge? Wow. See, repentance means to change And to turn away, what's he turning away from? Himself. Peter, from this moment on, now boldly proclaims the gospel. That reckless man with false bravado now stands defiant in peace and love. And more than 3,000 people profess their faith and are baptized in the name of the Trinity in short order. Peter turns from self-regret And turns towards others placed into his care, into the one he aggrieved, and works tirelessly to make it right because he loves Jesus and he loves his apostolic friends more than he loves himself. He denies himself and finds himself. Judas suffers not just temporal death in despair, but spiritual death in despair. Peter goes on to live a life of joy and suffers a martyr's death in that joy. One chooses regret, the other chooses repentance. Let us not confuse in our daily lives the notions of regret and repentance and their appropriate contextualization. This is one of the reasons why Jesus had such compassion for sinners. But not only was the sin itself a disordering of life, but what actually separates people from joy is the act of repentance. Apology? Yes. Recompense, yes. Repentance, yes. That firm resolution to turn away from sin. This gives mercy to the sinner. Justice for the aggrieved. And both now are set free to love. How many times must we forgive the sinner? Infinite. How many times will we personally fail? Many. But we, all we have to do is apologize without equivocation, repair the damage we did, and change our ways. The only way to joy is to rid ourselves of our own self-absorption and to immerse ourselves in loving our creator and others. Regret alone is ultimately selfish. Repentance is ultimately love. May peace be be with us all.